Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening. I'm Paul Edwards, and welcome to Tuesday Topics. I am speaking to you, believe it or not, from the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I expected to be at this time in Bermuda and had things all set up to have done Tuesday topics essentially um, using uh, a, a normal telephone line. Unfortunately, um, we left Bermuda today, so I'm in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Telephone service wouldn't do, so I am currently broad. Uh-oh. This might be a very short show. Day. Yeah, yeah. Our we lost you for a folks second. Are oh. here. Uh oh. Just so you know, Uh-oh. you're back, but we lost you for a second. Oh, dear. So, anyway, with me is Miss Marianne. Hello, Miss Marianne. Our Hello, host Paul. Month. It's so nice to be on your cruise with you, sort of. Yes, I'm so <laughs> glad you're here. I'm sitting in this lovely cabin. And uh, mm-hmm. we also have the our streamer extraordinaire, Mr. Larry. Larry. Hi, Paul. Oh, dude. Very good. <laughs> and our um, co-host, Mr. Brian Charlson. Hey, Brian. Hey there. Hi there. Can I say ho, ho there? You can. Ho, ho, ho in a bottle and, of rum. And, and of course, the guy who keeps us all together, a very good rum, by the way, is, uh, is, is Rick Morin. Hey, Rick. Hey, Paul. Welcome to karaoke. (laughs) I assume you're starting, Mr. Producer. No, 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 no. Hi, everybody. How y'all doing? We are well. So tonight, uh, sort of in honor of the fact that I'm off cruising, we thought it might be interesting to talk some about travel um, and it will probably go well with next week's show, uh, which will feature our convention coordinator, Janet Dickelman, who will be telling us all about what you can expect in Schaumburg, Illinois, and will be able to answer, answer all of your questions. Um, so we urge everybody to tune in for that show next week. Uh, we're excited to have Janet on. We do it every year, um, but... Uh, remember that registration starts very soon. In fact, I think it starts sometime this week for ACB folks. Thank you, sir. Yeah. And so for the first week, ACB members uh, get a crack at registering. And then after that, it becomes open to members of the general public. So um, Janet will be on our show on the... Uh, 23rd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so we're looking forward to having her uh, discuss all things convention. Uh, so get all your questions together. But this week we thought we would talk a little bit about some of the, the perils, if you like, of travel um, for people who are blind and the various ways we do it, perhaps some, some tips and tricks that we use uh, to make travel work uh, well for us. Um, and 
you know, certainly trains, planes, buses, uh, cruise ships. <laughs> Wouldn't know anything about those. Um, and uh, cars as well. Uh, if if we want to talk about those, are are all I think topics that uh, that we can that we can talk about um, in 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 terms of travel. Um, if if you had a single a single tip for any general blind traveler, Miss Marianne, and we're going to ask all of the rest of you, what would it be? I, I have too many to single out one, but one I will give you um, for cruising, and this was given to me by my friend Kathy, who's cruised dozens of times. But <clears throat> what I learned is when you're traversing the ship, rather than using the nearest elevator to where you're going, like let's say you're midship and you're going to something midship, or let's say you're, anyway, the best way to traverse from one end of the ship to the other, instead of going and traversing those big open spaces, I have my arms wide open, mm -hmm. is to walk the residential floor. So the rooms floor. So if you're going from one end of the ship, on one end of the ship to the next, I found it much, much easier to walk across the ship from the um, floor of, of um, cabins instead of those um, entertainment floors. And um, yeah, it's, it, yeah. it varies a little bit from ship to ship um, on, on our ship doing that. You, you have probably and, and uh, probably literally 30 turns that you have to make to get from one side to the other. Um, yeah, I, have never, I haven't been yeah. on one like that. I've been on one that are, you know, more, um, I've been on a few different ships. I've actually been on like five mm -hmm. different cruise lines. Um, but I've always yeah. found that it's the narrower, um, even if there are yeah. turns, yeah, in yeah, yeah. that it's easier to tra yep. traverse that way than to go yeah. um, in that big wide open space where there are tons and tons of people. See, and That's um, an excellent tip. And the other thing I'd yep. say is that their people are just helpful. That's what I have found. If I have to give you just one tip, right. I would say people are extraordinarily helpful. Um, if you finish a meal and you and you're the last cruise I went on, we were all totally blind, and um, you know we would just say, "Hey," they would say, "How can we help you?" And we you know can get us to the elevator or to this next destination. And somebody was always there to do it. People are wonderful. Yep. One of the things that's amazed me on this voyage is, um, you know, we've gotten to know several people, but Michael, Mikey will be off doing something else and folks will uh, walk up to me kind of just, hey, Paul, uh, can I do anything for you? You need a drink? You know, it's, it, it, yeah. and that's just passengers and who, who I didn't know from Adam and who probably wouldn't class me as a friend. So I, I absolutely agree with that. They're all Mr. there to have Brian, a good what time. is your chief yeah. What is your chief travel tip, Mr. Brian? Give yourself time. Trying to mm -hmm. do things quickly is just a, a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. Get to wherever you need to be before you need to be there. Uh, I've only missed one flight uh, in my life, and it was because somebody else had uh, the steering wheel, so to speak, and really was quite yeah. irate that uh, we missed the plane. Mm 
It just can't. You, can't you really shouldn't talk about me time. that way, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I tend I tend to be one of those people who cuts that sort of thing a little or did. Little I've, I've gotten better. Yeah, a little too close to the bone. And I'm the opposite. Um, I exaggerate. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Mr. Larry, what's your travel tip? I agree with everything that's been said because I made most of the mistakes that you can make when you've been on a cruise. But right. because I gave myself time, lots of time to get lost, in essence, I was able yep. to figure out what I was doing. But I would say there's an old axiom that, that friends of mine used to use, and it was plan the work and then work the plan. So I am organized anyway, not because I have mm -hmm. to be, although I do, but because I want to be. And so I, for this cruise that I'm doing, and I'll do the same thing when we go to Israel, but I'm doing the one now for Alaska. I have everything organized. So I know what it is, where it is, when I need to do XX, this, this, that, that. And at least I have a basic structure built in so that if something goes wrong, I don't freak because I know what needs to be done. And then when I go on the ship, I take a tour of the ship with somebody who I know if I can, because uh, they're good and articulate and they can help me understand some things that maybe as a blind person, it's difficult to understand. Uh, but I, I get that kind of help. And then I talk to people all the time. Right. If they don't want right. to talk to me, I talk to them on purpose. <laughs> I make them squirm sometimes, but but not often. But once in a while, they, they just don't want to talk to a blind person. So you fix that. You have to be a little more overt to make that happen. So I always have a great time on cruises. I love it. I enjoy it. But we're not talking about just cruises. These are these are general anything, travel tips. But anything, airports, whatever yeah, but, it might be. Yeah, yeah. But 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 my general tip is is actually sort of similar um, to to Larry's. I think that it is really important um, that we understand in advance what options are available to us as as folks who are blind. Um, and it's amazing how many there are. Um, for example, I had no idea. Um, I had no idea when I was traveling um, on cruise lines um, that that I could get uh, daily schedules uh, in Braille. Um, but I can, and I'm getting them now. And because I've been on before, I didn't even have to request them. They just started arriving. Now, they are in computer rail, so um, grade two is not something that they've mastered yet, but it's, but it's amazing. Um, you know, probably in the first, what, four days of, of, this, um, of this cruise, I've gotten 600 Braille pages, maybe. Wow. And, and that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> So um, know what you can get. Know, know what kind of assistance is available. That, that certainly applies to planes and trains. Um, in my view, for instance, the, 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 the entity that provides absolutely the best consistent service um, to folks who are blind traveling are trains. Um, I have just found them a joy to travel with. Um, 
they um, they they be sure they're sure that you get on the train. They um, they handle your luggage if you have to check some. They'll help you collect it. They'll put you to a place where you can order an Uber. Um, and and really now one of the biggest problems that used to exist is it was very hard to get yourself registered as a person with disabled with disabilities on a trip. But now that has that has actually um, gotten put into the app, so it's possible to do it that way. But know what 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 you can get and what you should get, and expect to get it. Um, it it for me is is uh, is really important. You know there are there are loads of rights and responsibilities. And we'll probably hear about some of them later on that um, blind folks have um, traveling by air. Uh, just just as there are for uh, for buses, for cruises, and so on, and it's really important, I think, to understand what you can get. Um, and we're, the 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 next round, we're going to do uh, a sort of a different thing because I would like each of us to talk about the one thing blind people shouldn't do um, traveling, and we'll 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 talk a little about that because. I know I have some pretty strong opinions about that. I think there are some really bad blind travelers. And I, I, I don't know if other people will agree with me, but um, any, any, any other things on the, the greatest tip ever from yes. any of the local group? Yeah, Brian. Yes. <clears throat> know what your luggage looks like. The color uh-huh. and, and it- identifying things too. Yes. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I got an orange suitcase recently. (laughs) There you go. There's nobody else had an orange suitcase. Uh, I've had black. I've had blue. uh, I had a tapestry one. uh, But when it's just your average black or blue or it's hard, whatever, then tie something that Mm -hmm. won't come off to one of the handles on the suitcase. Absolutely. And if if you can, for example, a yarn ribbon is an yep. excellent choice. That's what I Tie have. that to it and keep a snip of it in your pocket. Oh, so that's something show I somebody about. who's non-English speaking, perhaps, what it is your luggage has on it. Uh, I have actually so tied me, that to my, my keychain. Let me add to that, Mr. Brian, just just slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, the The last set of luggage that I bought was a very unusual kind of a um, a green color um, with mm-hmm. with patterns. But I got not only suitcases, but also a small uh, kind of bag that one could carry on one shoulder. And what I mm-hmm. what I generally do is I carry that one bag on my shoulder, and then if I've checked a bag, I say the bag you're looking for looks like this. And because it's unusual, it's generally pretty <clears throat> easy for folks to find it. Yeah, I think that definitely helps. Is it all right to tell a quickie story at this point, Paul? Of course it Up is. You're you're, okay. you're one so, of the bosses. So why why when I. Uh, went to Madrid, Spain. Um, uh, the local association for the blind or of the blind sent somebody to meet me 
but uh, his English was as good as my Spanish, which is non-existent. And I said that my bag was green. And the only thing I could say is it was verde. Because I know that that's yep. green sauce in a Mexican is, restaurant, yeah. right? And and yep. the luggage is going by. No, 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 no. Pretty soon, we're the only ones left. And there's just one suitcase going around and around <laughs> and around. And I said, see, si, verde. He says, no, negro. <laughs> because in oh, no. the fluorescent lighting... It, it looked, looked black. black. Wow. It looked black. So that's oh, kind dear. of when I stopped just going with the color of the suitcase and doing some other thing. I got a, a one of those plastic snap buckle straps that's rainbow. And I'll just wrap that around the suitcase. And now it's the one with the rainbow strap. Well, that works. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, that but, whole but, losing your luggage is that huge huge hit on any entertainment value of a trip right and the 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 other thing is if you're traveling on a small plane um where you have to um check your luggage as you're boarding the the, the actual aircraft um mm -hmm. one of the things that i would advise people to do because this has happened to me twice is generally one of the cool things about traveling on small planes um, is that you get boarded ahead of other people. And so you get to the plane and it's time to hand them your luggage to check. Um, and twice my luggage has stayed on the tarmac um, because generally with these small planes as well, um, it's a little different in that that's where you're supposed to leave it. And then you climb a set of steep steps and, and actually get into the plane. Um, so uh, my recommendation is to essentially at least be clear that you're concerned because this has happened before. And could you, could you pretty please make sure um, that my bag gets put where it's supposed to? Um, and generally saying that will help. And you're not being belligerent or pushy about it, um, but, but just, just, reminding folks because you're the first that they need to put it in a place where where it can be found all right let's let's do the worst thing people can do traveling who wants to start rely and i don't mean this in a mean or disparaging way but relying totally on another sided person whom you don't know uh I have had lots of problems with that. People mean well, but a lot of times they take you or do something with you because it's what they think you want. And unless you're really demonstrative about what you specifically want, what you need to do, where you need to go, you could conceivably be in a lot of trouble. You really have to advocate for yourself to make sure that what you do is safe to you and they won't know what that is because they don't know you. So I'm very hesitant about relying on other people to get me where I need to go. Mr. Rick. Miss Marianne. 
Sure. The worst thing, I, I would say not registering yourself. I mean, let's we'll talk about air travel, not registering as a person right. with a disability. I've had yeah. an instance, I that's, always do it. That's a big yeah, one. It is a big one. I always do it. But there was one time when my sister um, made the reservation for me and she did um, check visually impaired. And, um, and here's a really bad thing that happened. I got to Newark Airport, which is an airport I disdain. And um, the woman <laughs> got to the flight. She was the person, you know, who was coordinating um, assistance, wheelchairs and such. And she asked me my name. She said, you're not on my list. And she walked away. But I was I was registered because then my sister called United and they said, yeah, we see she's registered as a person with a visual impairment. But that woman just didn't see me or whatever she whatever her problem was. And she just walked away. So I guess um, the, the reason I tell you that story is because the point being, if you really don't register as a person with disability, you may get to the airport and they will eventually have to help you. But it may make your wait for assistance very long in that case. Well, and, and, and very scarifying too. It was scarifying. And I I waited an hour and it was finally the um, flight attendant who said, I can't believe you're still waiting here, here, I'll walk you to customer service. You know, I I should, I should probably amend what I said because I didn't mean people at the airport staff, people on the trains because they're great. It's just that somebody who if they walk up to me who's a stranger, right? Just don't know what you're going to get, and that's you know I've learned some of them are really great, some are wonderful, but not all of them are. It's it could work, awesome. yeah, it could work, it both, work ways. both ways. Because I've gotten somebody, but, I've had people get me off of off a of flight ahead of assistance, and they've been wonderful. Yes, yeah, and that 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 can often work well. Yeah, um, but 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 we've probably all also been on a plane long after everyone else has left you're the last person off the flight yeah and 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 generally you don't get off until somebody else not the flight attendants determines that it's okay for you to get off i tell people you're almost held hostage Yes, that's what it feels like. I tell people sitting next to me or behind me, please, when you um, when you exit, would you please remind the flight attendants that I need um, sighted assistance? Because that's the yep. place where I'm the most nervous is getting off the flight that they'll forget. Yep, I, I very often the do the same. Yeah. That's right, Mr. Brian. Your thoughts, and then I think we're going to take a couple of raised hands since we've done two. Two issues so far, Mr. Bryan. Sure. Um, I would say the the number one thing for me is, um, I, again, it's a timing thing. Uh, I was flying out of Miami, and the meet and assist person uh, stood next to me for five minutes before they identified themselves. And in fact, they didn't. Their child did. Says, oh, and said, she's pregnant, you know. And I said, what? <laughs> My mother, she is pregnant. She is here to help you. Uh, but she cannot take your luggage. Don't need my luggage taken. Uh, it's really important to insist that you interact with somebody who has the ability to speak to you at least reasonably well in languages that you're comfortable with. Uh, Good luck. I, I, 
I, but you need to insist. You need to insist. And you need to find that out right away by having a conversation with the person. Nobody yeah. has ever provided me assistance who I acted in any way, shape, or form that they were my servant. They weren't. No. They were a person right. doing their job, and they deserve the respect that comes along with that. Uh, so you, you, sh- you need to make sure that the people who are assisting you don't come away with this impression that you are that that they you pay their salary by god da, 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 da. that kind of stuff will get you no end of woes don't do it i think that that for me um the worst kind of blind traveler is the blind traveler who thinks that uh, they are God's gift and are entitled to everything yeah. um, and done precisely their way. Um, because what it does is it creates an awful uh, attitude um, for the rest of us who are blind. Um, if, if, you're not, if you're not comfortable being independent and if you're not comfortable operating appropriately as a traveler my advice is to try to find somebody else to travel with um one of the one of the things that a lot of us has, have ended up with for instance on certain airlines is everybody else gets a can of coke and we get a small glass of coke with a cover and a straw in it because blind people can't pour and and blind people will spill. And that's certainly awful. I yeah, I, I this is the problem with being a blind person in general is yes, you are an individual, but as far as that person in public that you're interacting with, you are the quintessential blind person. You represent yeah. everybody. Yeah. And you're if you don't want somebody else, you don't like stepping in somebody else's stink. So don't create any for the next guy uh, with your behavior. Yep, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Miss Marianne, let's take a couple of hands. Okay. Um, Deborah, you may unmute. You may unmute. Okay, here I am. Well, there's Deborah I have so much to say. <laughs> so, Go for it. Take huh? a breath. Take a breath, Deborah. Take a breath. Take a breath. Okay. So the first thing, the reason I raised my hand was I wanted to ask Paul, which cruise line are you on? That because I, I want to hear about this Braille stuff. But before I go there, I got I have some really strong opinions about a piece of this airline stuff. Do not sit on the friggin' plane waiting for somebody to come and get you. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I, I, I do not understand anybody doing that. I have been flying for 40 years. Yes, it's been a while, and it's a whole lot of flights, and I don't know how many, but I, nobody taught me how to do this. We all figure out our own stuff as we go. But what I figured out from the get-go was I am not waiting in this, I have claustrophobia, man. I'm not sitting in here. 
I, I'm getting out. And I have never sat in a plane. And I've heard so many horror stories of people being forgotten. I knew a, a sweet little girl who her first flight, she was 16. And she sat in the flight. She was forgotten for like three hours. That's so stupid. Get up. Like, you don't need to be able to see where to go. There's nowhere to go but straight ahead. Just get out of the friggin' plane. So, and then, and because, and what happens is, I always get out right away. And let me tell you, folks, I got a whole lot of extra stuff going on now because I was blind, independent, and obnoxious for a whole lot of years. And then I had a lot of stuff, cancer, radiation, fracture, et cetera, that messed me up physically about five years ago. So I got extra disabilities now, but I still, walker, white cane and all, do I need to sit there? No, no. I don't care if I'm sitting in the 20th row or the first row. I just start moving when everybody else starts moving because I just think it's, so, really it's really important the, to get off the plane because they can't does, ignore you when you're standing on the jetway. They can ignore you when you're sitting inside. You're just a piece of meat. But if you're out on the jetway, you're standing there, they want to get you going, right? So they find somebody now, to help you. <laughs> would it would it matter if the person who's supposed to provide assistance for you isn't there? I don't care. I go wait on the jetway. And they, they sometimes say that, oh, sit down because the wheelchair person isn't here yet. I don't care. I'm getting out of here. I don't want to be in here. There's nobody else in here. You know, everybody else is leaving. I'm leaving too. And what now before I had mobility issues. So until five or six years ago, the good thing that would happen is by my boogieing out of there right away, inevitably somebody else on the plane would say, you going to baggage claim. You want to walk with me? Yeah. Cause, cause people get it. Yeah. If they see you moving, if you see, see you sitting like a lump of coal, they're not going to offer you anything because you're a piece of meat. But if they see you moving, yeah. you're a person just like them and you got extra issues and they offer to help. So now, now I have to use wheelchair assistant and it sucks and I hate it, but I do. Um, and I'm, I'm walking better every day, but I'm still not walking. I mean, it would take me so long to walk from some uh, jetways right. to the baggage claim that nobody would have the patience to walk with me. So I'm okay with that. So, okay. So I use wheelchair assistance, but they say the person isn't here yet. And I say, that's okay. I'll just walk out there and wait for them. And I wait. And, but the thing is, then everybody comes by and talks to you. The passengers talk to you. The pilot talks to you. Everybody knows you're there. You sit inside there. You're forgotten. Forget about it. Anyway, yeah. so and that isn't why I raised my hand. That came up while I was <laughs> waiting. So why <laughs> the reason I raised my hand was this, that for a lot of years, I was that person who said, I, nobody's it's nobody's business that I have a disability. Nobody's business. So nobody knew I didn't register as a blind person. I just, I said, what you see is what you get. I'm here and I'll ask for assistance while I'm here if I need it. But all that has changed with my mobility issues. So now I request it in advance. And what I have discovered is that, and this is my tip, um, that so I've been needing to use a wheelchair and get assistance for five or six years. And 
I've had some very frightening experiences. One where I had a guy who was, I don't know, autistic or something. I don't know what his problem. Anyway, I don't know. But it was terrible because he couldn't talk to me. And then another one who didn't speak my language, so he couldn't talk to me. And so after a couple of really frightening experiences, when I called Delta, now this is Delta specific, so I don't know if this travels across airlines or not, but when I called Delta, I said, okay, here's the thing. I need wheelchair assistance, but I'm blind, and I really need someone who can speak to me, who can speak English. And it's been working for two years. I've had a number of flights, and saying that, and and I, so checking my boarding pass, it says um, wheelchair assistance, visual impairment. So I'm just passing that on as a tip to people. Mention the visual impairment as a link to English speaking assistance, because I think it, it, it seems to make the difference. So Paul, you got to tell us which cruise line gives you Braille. <laughs> uh, Norwegian. Norwegian Cruise Line. Really? Um, it, uh, yeah. As they I say, used to have not, a really bad rep. Yeah. Wow. It's not. It's not perfect Braille, um, because it's it's computer Braille. But I can deal with that. Yeah, Braille um, is Braille. I, I, yeah. It. I was just so excited, and and no page numbers, um, and and so, wow, you know, loads of formatting mistakes and all kinds of stuff. But I am very grateful for it. It's great fun. I would um, be, yeah, and, yeah, wow, yeah. So the the other thing that I was going to ask you was, uh, or sorry, actually, I was going to say something. Um, another tip that I would offer is if there is a disability number for the airline that you're traveling on, and a few of them have them. I know Southwest does, um, Delta does, and I think they're. And Delta does use those. Yeah. Don't don't yes. mess with regular airline people. Just don't do it because yes. they don't know what's going on and they'll get there's it wrong. There's a short list. Um, and if I can find it again, I'll send it to you, Paul, and you could distribute it. There's a short list that um, somebody from Guide Dogs for the Blind compiled. And I, I, I am sort of, delta centric i love delta so i start there i don't go to expedia or travelocity or any of those i go to delta first and then if they can't do what i need then i go to the others but mm -hmm. i always call the accessibility number and it really yep. seems to make a difference like this thing with you know yep. getting someone who can speak english yeah yeah brian uh marion rick blurry any 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 thoughts or questions for Ms. Deborah? I'm curious, um, how much of your travel has been international? Almost none. I, I, it's been, yeah, I've only been to Mexico and Canada. So uh, that's where you guys have had way more experience than I. Um, I've had lots of U.S. travel, but, um, and certainly since my needing wheelchair assistance right because of my physical disabilities um that's all been U u.s and one of the did you get any experience with rail travel paul was really high on 
the value. Yeah, I want to know more about that because you know, um, I've had I I wrote an article in '99. I, I my I'm still glowing with it, and my daughter is too. When she, when my daughter was ten, I took her on a train trip from Cincinnati to Washington, D.C., and it was one of the most fun experiences we ever had, so much so that we did it again. And but that and then in 2013, I did a train trip to New York with another visually impaired friend. But I want to hear more about train travel because I'm jonesing to do some now and I haven't heard recently what they're like. So that comment that you made earlier, Paul, really, my right. little ears just perked right up like, yeah. So, so, so there are three things. First, um, th they have very standard notions of, of what's good and bad um, <laughs> and, and what's, what's dis disabling and what isn't and blah, blah, blah. And, and so it's very easy and, and not very, um, very fruitful in terms of giving them a lot of information about who you are, what you're doing um, when, when you sign up as a, as a person with a disability. There actually um, is, a, is a slight discount that is the same as the senior discount if you're flying as a person with disability. So that's another reason to sign up in that category. Mm -hmm. um, but when you get to the station, the important thing is not to assume that because you have an e-ticket in your hand, everything is cool. Um, because um, it is not often easy and straightforward to get from where you are uh, in the train station um, to where the train is going to pull up because it pulls up at different places or slightly different places anyway, um, virtually every time it comes into the station. And depending on where you're going, you're sorted into different cars. So my practice has always been uh, to do two things. One, go up to the counter. Um, and two, uh, not only identify that, that, that I'm um, requesting assistance, but also get a paper ticket. Because even though I have an e-ticket, my experience has been um, that the e-tickets are kind of a pain to use on the train because you have to stop what you're doing with your phone and get to the place where the e-ticket is, and so on. Um, so, so I would absolutely recommend getting paper tickets. And I would the the other thing that that I would strongly recommend is that the very first thing you do when you get on the train is say to all the people who interact with you, "What's your name?" Um, because I think one of the things that establishes relationships that work regardless of what, what entity you're traveling on, is being on a first-name basis with the person you're asking to help and remembering yes. that person's name. Yes. Um, it, it, it goes immense distances to getting you what you want. Um, because Kudos to Larry treating, who mentioned that earlier, yeah. that you have to yep. talk to people, talk to people, talk to people, yep. talk to people, <laughs> get their names. And, Absolutely. Yeah. 
And I've and, gotten and, to the point where I get on a flight and I introduce myself I, and I tell the, um, I ask them her name, uh, their name, and then I tell them mine. And I ask them when you're um, coming to our row to ask about drinks or whatever, please address me by my name. So I know you're speaking to me. Yep. Yep. I haven't had to do right. that in the past because they always Excellent. would like tap me or something. But now it just seems like that, you know, it, the last, there were a couple you, of flights there where they the, didn't do that. Yeah. The truth is, if you don't do something like that, they're going to ignore you because they, they expect do. you to they be looking can. at them. They do ignore they you sometimes do. if you can't yeah. see so them I, or hear them. Yeah. That's you right. can't so look go them. on by. Yeah. yeah. I give them my name and I yeah. ask them to address me by name. Paul, you mentioned your phone and you mentioned that sometimes you have, if an e-ticket yeah. is on your phone. I, I learned this the hard way when I finally got my e-ticket pass to Disneyland. It took, I had yeah. to sign in, find the damn place where the ticket was. It was crap. So I moved the ticket into you like my documents or somewhere where all, I didn't have to sign in. I just had to go to my documents and there it was because I would label it so that I would know what it was. But until you do that and get screwed up for a while now, to if, figure it out, it's, right. it's really stupid. If you're using an iPhone, they have a feature that actually makes a lot of sense and actually makes e-tickets almost easy to use and that is the wallet the wallet um mm -hmm. yes every every airline um every airline when when they issue you an e-ticket um and you're using an iphone has a spot on that page uh, where you can you can add your ticket to the wallet mm -hmm. um it's if you insist on using an e-ticket do that because otherwise you're going to hold everybody else up and you're going to make everyone mad at you I mean, I, I came close to missing uh, a flight because um, uh, I believed what I was told by the airline about uh, about when I when and where I needed to do stuff, and um, and, and in fact, um, the, the the funniest story was um, a, a partial and myself were tra traveling back from. Orlando and we went into the Orlando airport and made the mistake of believing an Uber driver who said, well, mm. you know, if, if you already have your e-tickets and you're not checking bags, this is where everybody goes in and you should, you should do that. Cause it's really easy. Wrong. Mm. <laughs> we, we went in and there was not a soul anywhere. Mm. Nobody. So we, we walked down the hall and walked down the hall and eventually ended up stopping a policeman. It actually was, it wasn't, um, it, he was part, so it was actually Mikey. We ended up mm -hmm. having to stop a policeman. We were going to two different places. So, and his flight was almost ready to board. So um, it was a mess. And, and we ended up, uh, we ended up having to do extraordinary things all because uh, of, of the fact that two things happened. First, um, we believed the guy. We 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 had e-tickets, but neither of us could figure out how to get through this maze that was supposed to be this great place for, frankly, sighted people who had already got their e-tickets on their phone. So don't make the mistake of believing that one thing is is equal to the other. I always hold on. I've had such bad experiences with e-tickets 
um, e-boarding passes where someone takes right. my phone out of my hand that I refuse to use yep. them. I stick to paper tickets because right. I, I think it's a blind thing. And, they think yeah. you don't have the sense to know how to show which screen, but they take the phone out of your right. hand and then I don't want somebody else holding my phone and I don't know where it is. And so, I mean, there might come a time of the when time they won't. I do the same thing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, maybe there'll come a time when they won't yeah. accept paper, but I'm still doing paper and I'm doing it because when, I don't want somebody I'm, taking my phone away. In, yeah. When I'm checking in, even if I have an e-ticket on my phone, I ask for a paper uh, boarding pass. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't want to deal with the other one. I just don't. And, yep. and maybe that's something else Ms. we should be looking into as an organization, looking into advocating for some way, somehow to do that. That's not so uncomfortable because there will come a time when they'll say, sorry, we're not going to take your paper ticket. <laughs> but I, I mean, because we don't know where to yeah. Flash it. I mean, does anybody here have experience knowing where to flash your phone without somebody grabbing it out of your hand? Like I, you're. I, I don't. I don't think that. No, I don't. I guess I was going to say I don't think. I, I I wasn't sure whether. Whether sighted people actually flash their own phones or whether whether they were they taken do. by the people. They do. I've checked it out with people. They yeah. know they just hold it up. Somebody sees they do it, flash they show their own the right phone. screen. Yeah. They don't take it out of your hand. Got it. They took it out of my hand because I'm blind. Nice. And so I said, I'm not doing that anymore. Right. I think that's a good point. So, so maybe, Marianne, I mean, who maybe else somebody we got? with we special have two, vision. two people with their hands up still. Are you ready for that? Nice. Okay. okay. We have Anisio. Go, go ahead, Deborah. Unmute. I'm sorry. Well, I just think it would be Mr. interesting Korea. to hear from somebody with partial vision to explain to us. Maybe Marianne or Rick. No, could I'm say totally blind. What that looks like. Oh, you are. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay, but I don't I, I don't give up my phone until I'm right there at their desk and, and they just take it real quick and they hand it right, right back. And that right. doesn't bother me. And I'm very organized. I have that boarding pass up while I'm in the car on the way to the airport and I just leave it there. And it's you know, it's just right there. So I never have trouble finding it. But that's just me. I, I check in at home. I make sure that I, I bring the boarding pass up and I just keep it there until yeah. I board the flight. And then I turn that you know, I, I close that app and I don't mind that they, you know, I wait, like I said, I wait till I'm right up to the desk. Where that's another of the, that's another of the new changes. Well, yeah, I'm a control that's another freak, of the new it. changes that have come along being able to check in online for 24 hours in advance. Right. And um, I do yeah. it. I and, absolutely and, do And it. we really are pretty much expected to be able to do that. And some of them are easier. Are you than comfortable with that, Ms. Deborah? No, I'm not. I don't do it on purpose. Yep. I don't do it on purpose. I know everybody does it, but I don't do it because I want to hold my phone in my pocket and I want to get my paper boarding pass. Well, so, you and that's I'm saying I know there will come a time when they won't let me do that. 
It's, yes. it's inevitable. There will come a time when they say you can't do that anymore. And I need to be prepared for how to navigate that situation. Um, because I, 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 I understand, you know, they take your phone, you feel okay about it, but I'm a control freak. I don't want somebody else taking my phone. And, and the time that I tried it, it just really, I don't, it, I didn't like it. Somebody else took my phone. I didn't know what was going on. They eventually gave it back. But meanwhile, I'm having like serious phone separation anxiety. And I'm thinking if I could see, they wouldn't have taken it. My if phone's out see, of my hands for three seconds. Cause I, like I said, I don't hand it over until yep. I get to the desk. Uh, and, yeah, no, and it's, you know. This is an easy. The other possibility too is, I mean, I typically do check. Mr. Korean, how are you? Yep. But once you check in online, I mean, you could, you also have, Good. as long as you have, you have a printer, you have a, you have an option to print the boarding pass. And I usually do. I mean, I like the paper. And the other piece with the iPhone is you have to, you have to, you have to make sure that the curtain is not on and that you don't have too, too low the brightness, which I usually do to save batteries so they can't see anything anyway. Right. Um, so you have to be careful with that. But Deborah um, said a that's, lot that's of things. That's really a good point. And in, right. And in fact, what I generally do, rather than mess with any of that, um, is I simply um, walk up and when I am when I'm at the place where they need my boarding pass, I have it set in the right place and I turn voiceover off. That's exactly what I do. Exactly what I do. Yeah. Um, because that way you're you're not messing with any settings that that are um, voiceover specific. Mm -hmm. um, and people are accustomed to seeing the screen the way they're going to see it mm -hmm. if you turn it off. And it so it. They get I it, think they it actually works better to do that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That is exactly yeah. how I do it. Ladies and yep. gentlemen, I have Mr. Uh, something about this tech business for a moment. You I was up. flying into <laughs> San Francisco for a conference, <laughs> and I was going to be staying at the Hilton. And I thought, that's okay, fine. So I had that all down in my note taker. And when we were uh, going into land, I opened my note taker, and it didn't work. All of my travel information was on that note taker. And now I didn't have access to it. Turns out there are several Hiltons in San Francisco. Oh, and I no. got to go on the Hilton <laughs> shuttle from Hilton to Hilton <laughs> until I found the Hilton that had me oh, dear. there. So I, I, another tip is have your travel information in more than one place. That's a good point. Mr. Correa, we we have some questions for you. You do well, but, I mean, but go ahead that, with Debra, your comments first. Deborah stole uh, some of my thunder because I didn't. I unfortunately I was I was able to. Uh, I tuned in only you know half an hour later, so I didn't hear the first part of the program. But um, I did come in when you guys were talking about whether or not you stay on the plane and wait and. So she kind of stole my thunder because I never wait. Mm -hmm. I mean, the moment my turn comes, I make sure I get my thing from up up the above the um, you know the luggage, whatever I have, and I start walking. And um, 
most, I mean, most often uh, I get assistance once I get to the other end. Um, I mean, I may wait a few minutes, but I mean, so seldom. And there are so many times if the assistance is, um, if if uh, they're really late in coming or whatever, by the time the flight attendants are moving, uh, are leaving the flight, I typically walk, you know, they will walk with me or they walk at least halfway and I, I'll find someone. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, I've been traveling since I think my first flight was in 1968, shows you how old I am. And it was international. I started, mm-hmm. I, I bypassed all the uh, domestic flights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. my, my first flight was from Portugal to the United States to visit my family in the summer. And of course, at that time, flying was so different, right? All the assistance you got was from airline employees. Yes. Not nah, right. And and you got all, I mean, I remember in, in Lisbon yep. when I got on the flight and they, uh, I mean, this this flight was a flight attendant that was also part of her job, I guess. I mean, she had lunch with me. <laughs> I mean, believe it or not. Um, so I went through that. It really, it really got excellent treatment and stuff. I remember changing flights at Kennedy Airport and everybody was just so, so wonderful and everything was so easy. And then we went through another period yep. where airlines were just, I mean, the behavior was just crazy. And I remember one of the very first times I dro- i flew with my yeah. wife, I don't think we even married that time, was with Republic Airlines. We were going somewhere from Chicago, somewhere. I don't remember where we were going. And as usual, she takes the window seat and I took the aisle seat. And there's no, I'm sorry, the other way around. I was in the in the no, yeah, that's right. She was in the window seat and I was in the island seat. And here comes this flight attendant arguing with me that we need to switch because in case of an emergency, she needs to be able to get out. I mean, wait a minute. <laughs> She's traveling with me and she's telling her <laughs> oh I'm gonna gosh. be an impediment and I should be by the window. I never heard such a thing. I mean, we complained so much. Finally, my wife, my I don't think we were married actually. She got so upset, so I need to just do it. So finally, we, you know, we switched, and I complained afterwards, and I guess got free tickets. I don't know. I don't remember now, but it's just so interesting that that would never happen now, but it happened back in, you know, probably thirty years ago or so. No, they were fond of saying if their plane is in, if if we have to evacuate the, the flight, you will mm-hmm. be the last person off. And yeah, I remember right. as a kid, I was a kid when they told me that I was flying to Florida to visit my grandmother and I laughed. <laughs> I yeah. said, really? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let's, let's talk for a minute about international travel. Um, Anisha, you've done a fair amount of it. Um, I, I think you would agree with a statement I'm about to make, and Brian, chime in as well, because you have as well. The way that airlines handle assistance is different, markedly different from country to country. Um, and, and, and I think it's important for us to understand that that's the case. Um, in Australia, in New Zealand, and in England, there there is a, a kind of a general pattern, at least that, that was my experience, that that someone from the airlines is going to be handling that stuff, even now. Um, mm-hmm. And they're going to um, 
they're going to essentially um, uh, sometimes even meet you on the plane. But if they don't actually get on the plane, they're going to be waiting for you outside. And generally, of course, it, it is a much higher level of involvement um, than exists when you're doing with dealing with wheelchair pushers as we do in this country. Mm -hmm. um, because those folks know exactly what has to be done and can shepherd you from place to place and do going through immigration, going through customs um, after you've gotten your bags and getting you to the place where you need to arrange transportation. Um, it's a it's a seamless process. And generally, they know much more uh, about how to get that done than any uh, traveler who's coming into their their country. Would you agree with that, Anisio? I mean, that was my experience. But frankly, I must say, uh, I have not traveled you, in quite a while by myself yeah. overseas. So I don't know if that's still the case. But I mean, I, as I remember, yeah, that was the case. I nice. remember that as well. I went to Vietnam for a movie. We flew to China first. And then a few yeah. years later, we went to Berlin. And it was much different. It's dramatically different country to country, yeah. culture to culture. Absolutely. And one of the differences, Paul, you rightfully is who takes responsibility, the airline or the airport? Right. Which mm -hmm. of those two entities? And right. U.S. airports tend to stub out the process of meet and assist. There's some company, they're not an employee of the airline in question. They're not, an, they may not even be an employee of, of the airport. They may, in fact, be a, uh, a subcontract mm -hmm. uh, in that scheme of things. So as you get farther down that food chain, the service becomes worse and worse. Mm -hmm. There's also cultural differences in this, whether or not you're treated as a person or a piece of luggage. Uh, I flew through De Gaulle Airport on my way to India, and they had all the disabled people, please stay seated. We did. Uh, then they said, you may now uh, disembark. And we disembarked into this uh, waiting room right outside the plane door. I mean, straight into a waiting room, which was this waiting room on the back of a scissor mounted truck. Mm. So then it lowered down and we drove off. <laughs> and then we were put in the disabled person's lounge mm. where we were expected to give up our ticket and we'd be called or somebody'd come fetch us and get us where we needed to go when we needed to be there. Uh, they used to do yeah. that here in this country, in some airports, right? Where they had yeah. this it's, it's, room. Where they, we, they, they still did. have disability I rooms. Do they? I, I never go to those. I will not. Never, never, never. I don't want I, to go yeah. to those. I mean, I, yeah. I, they, they've, they've, they've tried to persuade me to go to those, and I say, no, just leave me at the gate. But, That's sir, they forget you. I mean, yeah, I mean, they yeah. can forget you. for Leave and then me all at the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let's be honest. And I think, uh, let's see, the last few yeah. times I was at a gate, the appropriate gate, the gate changed. Yeah, that too. That, and yes. then you get to scramble to get to that gate because all the other passengers sitting there are thinking they're going on the same flight as you are. You have to be sure to 
not you can't wait around for assistance right right from staff at that point i you know when i sit down next to a stranger i say hello and introduce myself mm-hmm. because i might be dependent on that person if they change my gate and again gate changing happens i think more often now than uh i experienced say a decade ago yeah I- I'm curious if you guys, during the first half hour that I missed, did you talk about tipping at all? And was I, well, no, I'm glad you're bringing that up. It's a good point. Please, please speak unto us. Well, I mean, I never used to tip, right? Again, because I was more used to that higher level. I, I don't know how to put it, but, you know, these people were right. on salary. I knew they were making good money right. and stuff, or at least they had good positions. And... Um, but as it right. changed and this, this service started being used, being provided more by contracts, I have actually had people asking me, said, oh, do you know how much I make? I don't make enough. I mean, or someone, one time I gave him a $5 bill and he complained it was too little. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I never tip more than $5. Yeah. I always tip. And I tip. Yeah. $5. One of the things I do before I leave the house is check for how many $5 mm-hmm. bills yeah. I have. And how many you're going to need and how many you have. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Stick and, one in your and, pocket right away. Yep, exactly. Yep. And I'll be honest with you. I'll, I do that what I did. Along the, with your the, ID. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. and But I did what I do when I go to uh, Las Vegas. I tip at the beginning, not at the end. Me too. Uh, so I say, uh, it'll be easier on me if I just give you your tip now. Thank because you very I'll much. Because I'll forget for your otherwise. <laughs> right. That's but I'm I doing it because yeah. I'm going to get better I, service. That's I right. Think, mm-hmm. If the money's up front. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I have I have learned that that doesn't work. Um, in my opinion, you have to tip somewhere in the middle. Because I have gotten, I, I think, three or four situations where somebody drove me 15 feet and then handed me off to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That happens in the big and, airports. Yeah. Um, there were so, like exchange. So I be, almost. It yes. certainly can. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to be going sure terminal that building it happens. To terminal building. Yep. I gotcha. And I don't know what the right amount to tip is anymore. I tip, I typically tip, do the same as you guys do. I tip five dollars, mm-hmm. um, and and God knows, ten twenty years ago I used to tip two, but um, <laughs> five dollars now seems like an appropriate amount to me. However, if if I have someone who is taking me from a plane through baggage claim um, to the place where I'm getting Uber. Um, and and also indicates that they're going to wait with me until my Uber comes. They're they're getting they yeah. might give yep. you, you might give them more. Yeah. Exactly. Um, be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I and I've had people yeah. going. I mean, I've, um, I have uh, people walking with me and stopping at Starbucks, getting coffee, and going to the men's room. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, you you get all kinds of lights. Um, but, yeah, but, uh, I, but I did I not know. Matters. 
I I did not know about this these special numbers for people with disabilities the airlines have. I always I typically I do it online, so I don't know um, because you keep hearing that when you yeah. call, you actually pay more. That you're not eligible to some of the lower fares or. They're yeah. actually not allowed to charge you more if you can't access, like some of the websites are terrible. So if mm -hmm. you call um, customer service and you tell them I was unable to access your website, so mm -hmm. I want you to waive the um, fee for calling mm -hmm. in, they have to do that. But I mean, unless the disabled yeah. disability number is different, but you know, you call Delta now, 1-800-221-1212. I know it by heart because I suppose <laughs> that, I mean, they, they'll, the recording comes and right. says the wait period is like two hours. Yeah, it's crazy. Hours. It seemed unbelievable. What the... Yeah. The, the, and that's another reason why if if you've got a list, you should use the, the disability numbers yeah, because have, it's a that. lot faster, but also... um. My experience, uh, my experience with the disability folks is that um, they do a better job mm -hmm. of looking for um, the the best value for you um, mm -hmm. than than the reg the regular airline right. folks do. They don't really care that you're disabled. Right. Um, right. They want you off that phone. This is what we got. If you don't like it, well, mm -hmm. you know there are other airlines. Right. Right. Um, yeah. All right, Ms. Marin, do we have someone yes, else we who can do. join in our conversation? We have Connie. And Connie, you may unmute. Thank you. He did. Can you hear me? Yep, we Ms. can. Connie, yes. we can hear you. I have two things to share. First of all, I don't know if people realize it, but you can request an audio describer on a cruise. I've used um, an audio describer for several different cruises, and it really brings everything to life. Um, they, on, um, on board, they can describe things like movies, the variety shows, onboard activities. In some cases, the cruise line gives them extra tickets to go on the shore excursions with you, and they'll sit on the bus and describe everything that you're passing and describe, you know, everything that you're looking at. Like, for example, if you're going to a Cathedral, they'll describe all the intricate details of, of objects in there. I wrote in a very. Yep. I, I think I've article. heard that from, from. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote an extensive article about that in the November issue of the Vail Forum. And um, I interviewed four different audio describers. And um, so read it if you have a chance. Um, the other thing I want to share is I'm going to Hawaii on May 18th. And this is the first time that I'm traveling alone as a totally blind person. The last time I traveled alone, I had low vision. Right. And I was much younger. And then I got married and my husband was sighted. So I got used to having his assistance. But he passed away in 2019. And I'm going to meet a friend who's already there on the island of Kauai where I got married. We're both widows, we're both blind, and we're both, you know, we share the same thing. So for the first time in my life, I'm requesting wheelchair assist because I want to make it as easy as possible. And I also requested comfy seats um, both ways. So um, um, a friend of mine advised me, like you, you guys said, to carry lots of fives to tip people. Um, and I'm glad you, um, Debbie mentioned about 
requesting someone who speaks English. Because it's going to be really important to be able to communicate with people. I'm a little bit nervous because this is going to be my first time. So if any of you have any comments or insights, that would be great. I do a wonderful imitation of carry-on luggage. So I'd love to come with you. Oh. <laughs> I do a silly little thing to us to to make my um flight more um just relaxing is I always get a window seat because I have found that if I've been in the aisle, I don't know that people are standing there wanting to get in or out as in especially that you know sometimes they're just quiet they just stand there and I have no idea they're there and I just that whole thing makes me feel so awkward so I always it, request a window seat yeah one of the other things it's I getting recommend harder you, and harder um, to get them and I'll good yeah. be with you in just a second yeah, go ahead. yeah. um it, it's getting harder and harder to get them and Airlines are are seeming to charge extra money if you're buying an economy fare um, for a lot of the seats that that get blocked off. So there's oh, only yeah, a, a, a limited number of windows that are available at the back of the plane, and if if they've already been booked, uh, the only option that you really have is once you get to the airport. To kind of plead with the airline to ask them can, to switch. Can I, can I possibly get an airport seat? Okay, yeah, and seat. and my experience is that in about fifty or sixty percent of the cases, they'll do it. Okay, um, if you're traveling with I a service animal, with they always do it. They have, in fact, you have to be sitting at a window yep. seat because your dog needs. That's where your dog needs to be. Um, but I've paid extra like this flight. I, I went to visit my daughter last weekend. I paid $38 extra to get the window seat on both ends, both legs of that trip. I'm and it just whether or not to check in online or not, because I want to be able to check my luggage and deal with an actual person rather than the kiosk. What are your thoughts on that? You guys? You can still still deal with the person, even if you've not, even if you're not checking bags. I just get a, a person right from the get-go. I get whoever brings me to the airport, get me to an airport representative, and that's that. It's it's from there until you get you know, until you get off the plane, you should be in someone's hands. Okay, I know how to open my big mouth and ask for Yeah, exactly. One of the things that I try to uh, tell Brian, do you want to add you... anything about the kiosk stuff? Yep. Yes. Yep. One is that uh, I don't use kiosks because we haven't got standards for accessibility on kiosks in the system well enough yet to ever count on that. So absolutely. The, what you were saying, right. Marianne, about being passed off to somebody, mm -hmm. I do that all the time. Yep. I say, you know, what? What? So I travel independently. Yes, I've been to India by myself. I've been to Greece by myself. You know, I've, I've been around a bit, but that doesn't mean that I have my cane out or my dog guiding me every inch of that way. Mm -hmm. I'm nope. going from a staff person to a, to staff, a staff person, person to a staff person. Absolutely. Daisy chaining to my destination. Absolutely. I'm, I, I treat them with respect. They treat me with respect. Chat with them. Uh, chat with them. You know, yep. they're a person, you're a person. Yep. And it has worked for me 
almost every time. I say almost because sometimes, you know, yeah. like they say, you know, things happen. Right. But generally the, speaking, that, that's the case. The other thing about that for us as ACB, um, keep, as people, you know, advocates at ACB is that it is its, its own form of advocating. So you're talking to them. They're asking you questions. They get to see your, you know, the independence. They know you're a visually, you're a totally blind person flying on your own. They go home that day and they say, hey, you know, today I talked to this blind person. You know, it's it's our own way of educating and advocating. So mm-hmm. nothing wrong with getting that assistance, unlike the other organization who says they use the schematic I, of the year. Yeah. I, I, I if, that smiling and being courteous, it's it, it a, a long, long way. way. Mm-hmm. If I can just add uh, my congratulations to Connie, because I know it's sure. scary the first time when you mm-hmm. do that. Oh, and uh, I could I, I salute you for, for doing it, for oh, having the courage you. to do it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. You'll have to come back and tell us how it went. Yeah. The, yeah. Right. The I'm other here. thing that, that I would say about kiosk, and it, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I, I, I want to mention the fact that if if you have made your reservations and know what's going on and have checked it online, um, you don't need the kiosks. Oh, good. That's good to know. And, and I think people make the assumption that you do. You, you don't. Because I've even um, cited people. You, you're not doing any more um, on a kiosk than you've already done. Yeah. Okay. That's good to yep. know. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you for calling, Connie. Uh, can, I, can, can, I, can I add yeah, one thing? Connie, uh, it's been great to hear from you. Thank you. Sure. You know, I understand kiosks are also very compl- complex, even for sighted people. I can't tell you how many times my wife and I go to the airport. The line is long. We go to the kiosk. We end up going to the counter because we couldn't figure it out. So yeah. it's not just blind people. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, but the the other thing I wanted to ask you, I never use, I have not used it, but I've heard of a number of blind people using these um, you know, uh, services like Ira to maneuver within the airport. Have you mm-hmm. any of you ever tried that? Wouldn't dare. I have. I have. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> well, it, it yeah. was rather odd because. Um, <laughs> How do I put it? People kept asking or thinking I was talking to them when I was talking to the IRA agent. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, kept offering me services like I was not only blind, I was a little bit simple and you know all of those kinds of things. It, it just wasn't worth that to me at the time. Yeah. yeah. They what saw I would right say through is- you, huh? Maybe to use it for like going, you know, if you're sitting at the gate and you can maybe call an IRA agent and ask them, is there a restaurant or is there a restroom around near where you are? But I, me personally, would never navigate from start a point A to point Mm -hmm. Z. Yeah. And and I think this is part of the point. changing, don't you think, Paul? I mean... We were talking about, well, you know, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. The fact is, five right. years ago was different. And two years from now will be radically different than today. Mm-hmm. The right. systems around us are changing rapidly. Sometimes for things like post-COVID, uh, they're having 
a real tough time in the United States hiring people for lower paying jobs that they had no problem filling before. Uh, so waits are likely to get longer until that's resolved. Um, you're going to see more automation of all the processes of traveling. Uh, you're not going to find a nice little cart driver who drives you to gate 47 concourse D, but there will be this self-driving cart that will stop and beep and wait until it feels that the, uh, the weight has stopped being added to it and then it takes off to whatever. And you might have to swipe things a lot. I don't mean with your finger necessarily. It might be with that e-ticket or whatever, but it's all getting more and more uh, automated and you should expect that that's not going to stop. It's, it's only going to get bigger. One other tip I'd give people who go to airports, uh, when you're being shown where there's a seat in the boarding area, make sure you know where that counter is. Yes, I agree. Relative to where you are. Absolutely. If I can't hear it, I'll ask someone. Yep. Exactly. Because sometimes I there's nobody there. Where that I, I, will, I will usually ask. The person who right. brings you to that seat. I will right. usually ask whoever is providing me assistance. Exactly. Put me right next to the counter. If yep. that's possible. And if you, not, where is it? As you can. I, I, and tell me where it is. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make a, a point to, to, to see what the response of folks is to this point. I think blind people need to be careful what they ask for. Um, I think that um, a lot of what we're asking for in terms of travel now has at least the potential of being a pure pain. If we get accessible kiosks um, and, um, and they add more functionality to kiosks than they currently have, are we going to be in a position um, where the average blind person, not the, not the techie guys like Brian, but the average blind person like Anisio and me and maybe Marianne. Marianne's pretty technological too, but anyway, that we're not going to be able to do that stuff. More importantly, I, I think there are some other changes that are, that are almost inevitably going to come um, down the line. Um, here are three. One of them is more and more in airports now, there are flashing signals um, and informational screens about um, gate changes, but there often are not announcements. Um, and I think that's becoming a, a, a larger and larger trend um, at airports. I'm not quite sure how we fix it, but one of the things that if we decide that we're going to, for instance, push hard for uh, internal signage in the airport that uh, would enable us to use beacons to get from the beginning of the airport to the gate that we're going to, are we going to put ourselves in a position where suddenly airports will say, well, since we put up these beacons, we no longer have to provide you with the kind of assistance provided by people. So I, I, I guess the point that I'm asking us to think about is, are, are we asking for too many things that have the potential of backfiring? 
I would agree with Brian, that, Paul. Do you think? Yeah. I it, okay. It, it's my opinion that yep, because the world paints things with a wide brush. Somebody in the system at a given airport is going to go along with one of these uh, Bluetooth beacon kind of approaches or some other variant of that. And they're going to say, therefore, we can cut back on this other thing. But I think uh, thinner minds are out there and realize that uh, passengers are as different from one another as you can imagine. There's no such mm -hmm. thing as a typical passenger. And yes. so they have to do things in multiple ways yeah. to deal with the public in general. And therefore, they right. have to deal with multiple ways for blind people to do it. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I, I think it's harder to persuade people that that's what they have to do because most of the, the folks who are providing services think of us as the blind. The rather blind. than as they a person who is that's blind. That's the broad, that's yeah. the broad yeah. blush. Brush. You've got people of all, with all different kinds of skill sets. And so some of us have glasses. Sometimes those work. Sometimes not, because you have to know to look, obviously, to find monitors that will tell you about switching gates. And other people don't have glasses, wouldn't know what to do with them if they had them, and don't care. So I think you're probably going to see a little bit of everything still being supplied to some degree, whether it be sighted assistance, because uh, you can't depend that every single blind person is going to have everything at his or her disposal. Yeah, That's another so. part of that whole tech business, right? Yeah. Yep. The more reliant we become on tech we own, I, the I less think responsibility there is on the built environment to provide something. And right now, that is simply not allowed. Yep. You cannot require user-owned right. equipment to, to access things. Uh, and I we think, have to be careful that we, we keep right on top of that. I think if we ever get to that point where yeah. people, people believe that you have the accessibility you need, you don't need our help, We'll be in such better place because that means attitudes have changed a lot. I don't see that happening anytime. Not soon. in my lifetime. No. <laughs> Not in my no. lifetime. Unfortunately. But I think, you know, certainly when ERA came along to begin with, there were all kinds of people who felt like this was going to revolutionize the way that we've that that we've operated. Um, for a variety of reasons, it hasn't happened, and that might be another Tuesday topics down the road. The point that I'm making with regard to travel is ERA now offers a service where, where you can call them and they will make your Uber reservation and, and provide you with assistance while you're waiting for that Uber. And it's certainly a, a pretty cool feature to have, um, but I purposefully won't try to use it in an airport. I agree with that. Because I would much prefer to have the assistance of the person who's actually there so I'll only resort to technology if I'm forced to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I would use them more at, at an airport or for mobility purposes if there was a, a right. A, if there were if I was able to to uh, interact with it with glasses, not holding my phone in front of me. Right. That I think would make a big difference to me. Yeah. Right. 
We have. I participated. That's in interesting a, that in they a, went away. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Did you say we have another hand raised? We have a couple hands. Um, we have Nora, and then after Nora, we have area code 407. Nora, you may unmute. Yeah, hi, this is Nora. Mm -hmm. Hi, yeah. thank you. Um, the reason I raised my hand is I, I have traveled back in the, somewhere in the 80s, and one time I was, on, I was traveling by myself. I think I was either halfway or all the way by myself, and I, I was at a Dallas Fort Worth airport, I remember, and I, they gave me assistance, and then they had me sit down in one of the seats, not far through, from the uh, gate counter and things, and then I waited a few minutes, and somebody was supposed to come take me to the gate, but then I noticed nobody came, so I went by myself and went to the gate thing, and then they helped me get on the plane. So that's what I experienced. Yep. <clears throat> I think I think you make a good point, uh, Miss Nora. Um, it, when when an announcement is made that they that they're starting to board the plane, that's the time when you need to get active. Um, yeah. And because you can't assume necessarily that they're going to remember you, so I think that's a really good point. I don't know that I would have done gone quite as far as you did when you did. I would probably have waited until things got a little. Uh, a, a little further along in the process, but I think I think you did something that worked. But what I would certainly do is mm -hmm. I would be up out of my seat and I'd be standing up, and I would be obvious to everyone, and I'd have my cane out. That's exactly and right. They would not be able to not know I wasn't there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and 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 also it demonstrates the kind of proactivity. Yeah, the kind of proactivity we're talking about, Nora, where where what we say is we want to be seen as as pretty cool blind people um, who appreciate their assistance and, and are ready to accept it right now. Yeah, that's right. I was very yeah, thankful so, for you. Yep. It was my, it was my parents mm -hmm. that helped set up the flight for me. I didn't do it myself, but, but I was there by myself. And nice. Yep. Yeah, so... I was going from one, I can't remember where I was coming from, but I think I was going home and then I was supposed to, one flight, I was halfway by myself and then I met my parents and they flew with me. The rest of mm -hmm. another flight on the way home. We changed, I changed planes. <laughs> so, anyway, well, yeah, thank you for calling. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Miss Nora. Area code 407. You may unmute. Hi. Um, 407. Shirley. She is. Yes. Hi, Shirley. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. We I'm can, sorry because I heard yeah. Paul say the area code again, so I thought maybe I didn't make it in. Anyway, um, my name is Shirley, and I wanted to uh, comment on a couple of things. First of all, I was very curious about this uh, thing with the disability phone lines because I didn't know about that before. And... Um, I guess if, if anybody, if you guys have those phone numbers, especially for Southwest, it would be really interesting if, uh, if you would give those out. And I'm curious to know whether the ones of you that use them actually call them for uh, making your reservations or, you know, if you talk to them after it's been done or whatever the case may be. And the, the second one I wanted to address. Both. 
Um, I'm sorry, Paul. Did you? Um, I thought. I, I think those of us who use them do do both. Um, surely. Um, okay. Deborah Kendrick is going to send me information on these, uh, on the disability numbers we have, and then I'll put okay. it out to the lists that we use for Tuesday topics. So you should get a okay, list of numbers, great. including the Southwest number, because that's great. I have it, but and I don't have it with me. Uh, I, I would also be curious if I could just uh, address a question to her about something she sure. said, if she's still on the line, would that be permissible? She is. She has her hand raised. She is. She has her hand raised. Okay. So I'm kind of curious. um, When uh, Debbie, when you talk about the fact uh, that you just go ahead and get off the plane and everything, I'm kind of curious if if they specifically uh, come to you, which a lot of times they do, and they'll say, "Well, you know, wait till we get everybody else off, and we'll have somebody for you at the time," or however they address it. Do you tell them at the time that you prefer not to wait? That's, or do that's you a really good question. That and, pardon? That is a really good question. Okay, did I successfully unmute? Yes. You did. I did. Okay. That's a really good question, Shirley. Yes, and did. I'll tell you what the story is. 50% of the time they tell me to sit there and I say to myself, whatever. And then I don't engage in conversation because I'm not going to make a scene. But then right. when when it's time to leave, I leave. And I, I okay. say to the people around me, I'm not obnoxious. I say to the people around me, tell me when it's okay to move. Because everybody's got their eye on the door. Everybody wants out of that sure. friggin' plane. And I'm just like everybody else. And I say, tell me when it's okay to move. And I have found. And so what happens is, yes, sure. 50, 50% but, of the but time. But I still want you to risk. I still want you to. I still want you to respond specifically to Shirley's question. If somebody okay. comes to you and says, "Ma'am," um, and they and they don't generally say "please," they say, "You will wait on this plane until everybody is off and the cockroaches have been eradicated, and then <laughs> we'll come and get you." And so, my way of handling that is not to respond because I don't want to get into a fight because that's not the person I am. I don't now there have been a couple of times when they are pushy and I say, I'm not comfortable doing that. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. That's what I want. And and then it ends. It ends there because they don't want to fight either. They don't want to make a scene you know, and so they, they leave me alone. But most of the time I find that when they say that I just don't answer because I would say 50% of the flights I've been on in my life. And there have been probably a few thousand of them. 50% of the time, there's been some stupid flight attendant that has said to me, now you just stay right here. And if there's an emergency (laughs) or when we land, you stay right here. And then we'll go. Yeah, right. You that's fine. You stay right where you are. And somebody will come and get you too. Cause I'm not dependent on people. I don't even know I'm dependent on me to get me out of here. So, yeah, so that's my story. I I just, and I think, you know, I I have such strong feelings about it. And I think that it's really an important piece of advocacy, folks, that 
You are sure. human beings. Nobody has the sure, right but to I, tell you to but sit I, there. But like I guess a piece for me, the other half of that, the other half of that important piece of advocacy, though it seems to me, is having the the courage to stand up and advocate directly all the time. So it for yeah. me, it wouldn't be 50%. I would essentially be saying to them, I am not comfortable doing that and see what happens. Well, so mm-hmm. I say I'm That's not comfortable doing that, then I don't do it. Viewpoint. And the other thing is, you know, with mobility devices, I have, so starting five years ago, I had to travel with a walker and a year and a half ago, it scaled down to a smaller walker called a Hemi walker, which is like an elaborate support cane. I worked out early on that that walker would fit in the overhead. And I can't tell you how many flight attendants said, oh, first of all, they want to check it. And, and put it underneath. And I say, you can't do that. I can't walk on the plane without it. And I'm going to walk on the plane. And then they want to say, well, we'll keep it up front. And I say, you know what? It's been tested. I have found many times I can put it in the overhead. It looks like it won't go, but I promise you it'll go in the overhead. And there have been maybe five, you know, nine 95% of the time I have won a couple times I've lost that round and they put it in the front closet. So then I can't walk off without it. And I start walking by holding onto the seats. Cause I'm still, I'm not going to sit there. I am not going to be a package to be collected. So I start walking off by holding onto the seats and I'm slow, but you know what? People are so cool because people see me and they say you rock you go for it (laughs) I mean because we when we look out for ourselves people respond to that they say that's what I would do if I were you I wouldn't sit there either you know so um and and so now the the current battle that I have and I'm flying again in a little couple days here I, I I have to say I have to hang on to my Hemi Walker and just say it goes in the overhead above me and and yep. and and it's it works fine and because if you don't assert yourself they will take it they will take your cane they will take your support cane they the, will take your walker they certainly whatever. will make assumptions yep yes they will but if you know what's best for you and you say no I'm sorry yep. it doesn't work yep. that way they back off they do yeah Right. So and and you make yes. friends. I Often. mean, I've made some really coming yeah. back from the St. Louis uh, convention was the first time that I was traveling with mobility aids, and I made such good friends with uh, an Air Force pilot who she was you know has been in Iraq, and we've been texting ever since because I wanted to put my support cane against. I had the aisle seat, she had the window, and I wanted to put it in the against the the wall and the flight attendant said oh you can't do that you can't do that we have to take it we have to put it up front and I'm like you can't have it and I said to her do you mind can we put this next to you and she's like yeah sure whatever so since then that's what I do I ask other people can I put this and they're always on my side I've never had a situation where I'm struggling with that sort of thing where they're on the airline side the passengers are always on my side 
that so way. When, when they when <laughs> they want to when they want to put it in the front, that's probably their way of offering you a a first class seat. Don't you think? Well, when they offered me a first class seat, no. man, I jumped at it. <laughs> I say, yeah, thank you, thank you. But it doesn't but, happen. It used to happen with dogs. Dogs got me the first class seats. But I Kings. I do the same thing Deborah does, and and yeah. typically what happens, the flight attendant will come and tell you. You know, you wait until everybody's done. It's before the flight lands. Once the flight lands, they're all in front. And they never once yeah. one came they back. Don't to remember. Didn't I tell you I wait there? Nobody ever told me that. Never, um, never. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You are my kindred spirit. That's exactly right. You just you just smile and say, Okay, because yeah. they don't remember. You're last on their list of issues. And that's why you know that if you didn't get up and get your butt off, you'd be sitting there two hours later. But, but the other thing that I would suggest to folks, and I don't know if you guys <laughs> covered this, is when you when I get to my seat, one of the questions I ask is where are the uh, what are the closest um, uh, emergency exits, both in front and in the back? Emergency exits. I'm not going to wait yeah. for them to come for me <laughs> if there's an emergency. Yeah, right. I don't know where they right. are. So. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah, and, and it's easy to count right by the seat. Yeah, I do, I do the same thing, and it's an, and it's important to know. Absolutely. Though, though, with most planes, you've got a pretty good idea. Right. Paul, um, well, I think you should organize yeah. a Tuesday topics, you know, trip extravaganza, and get us like really cheap rates everywhere. Uh, and we, we talked we about all fly. that. <laughs> not, not the not the cheap rate part, but we did talk about getting together yeah. as a group. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. help you. I'm a good negotiator. I'll I'm sure you, you are. Nice. You never have to win on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Very good. Now, Ms. our Marianne, friend Mikey is also got? quite quite a good negotiator. Do you remember, Paul, when he got us a party bus to go to a he restaurant? And rather than having like four <laughs> Ubers, he I negotiated remember. with a guy just parked there waiting for his next activity and negotiated that he'd take us all in a party bus. It was great. <laughs> you are clear, Paul. No yep. hands currently. No hands? So I think that we Penny need to- Penny Reader to, was around. She um, lowered her hand. She she did have her hand up and then she lowered it. Yep. Yep. And Penny, do you want to raise it again? Because I would I would I'm love you to her. talk some about guide dogs. She's gone. Want to. Exactly. Oh, she's, she's gone. left. Yeah. Oh. She has So she has Brian, left. do you want to talk about guide dogs? Well, I, I certainly can. Um, I'm going to, again, I also think we, we need to lighten it up. We travel and agree that traveling has its ups and downs, its hills and its valleys, but I'm sure glad I do it. I, am, I, I feel much more a part of the world having traveled it. Uh, and I wouldn't give that up for anything. I used to be a guide dog no. user. I have had nor, four nor guide dogs. Four guide dogs uh, in my lifetime. I haven't had one for the last ten years. But my wife is a guide dog user, and so I interact with travel-related things associated with guide dogs all the time. Most recently, we're fighting this little battle where each airline has paperwork you must complete prior to. Uh, checking in at the airport um, that indicates that this is a service animal that yeah you know just a bunch of things and no two forms are alike 
uh, and they don't last. They have a finite length of time that they are valid. Uh, and that's right. a problem. That, so you that's have to do one for, for your next flight as well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, that's a, that's a hoop nobody yeah. else has to, has to jump through. Uh, so we're working to try to get uh, the regulations to at least create a uniform place where one does such a thing and where it persists on your behalf rather than having to do it over and over and over again. Now, Marianne, you said yeah. you should get a window seat. Now, you've traveled, you've traveled a, a lot. What's that? Paul? Hold on, you dropped out. We'll wait you, for a yeah. moment. No, and uh, what was your Brian question? Was saying... Go ahead, Paul. Uh oh. <laughs> Brian's question was you, um, you said you should get a window seat, or you ought to be offered a window seat, to be clear. Um, I if have you're never a guide not been should. offered. That is correct. I've never not been offered. In fact, I have actually flown on airlines like Allegiant Air, where when they can, they give me a whole row to myself. <laughs> but I've always gotten a window seat because wow. they, don't, so only, they don't want you on the aisle because the That's dog. because they have so few people flying on the plane, they give you a whole row. No, it's it's been pretty packed lately. Has but, it really? Yeah, the yeah, plane. Yeah. Not many. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, the, you can't have the aisle seat because oh, the dog can be in the aisle, their paw can be in the aisle, the tail can be in the aisle. And it's not safe for the dog or you, the staff. Let's let's be clear. You can, but you, you can, but it's not safe. It's not you safe can. for your dog. So it's not they safe can't say, well, we don't have a seat for you except an aisle seat. And you can't sit there. No, that no, no, not. That is correct. I didn't say you couldn't. True. You you shouldn't. Good. You sh okay. It's not safe. I agree. For your dog I agree with and you. And it's not safe one of, for the staff. The, the one of my duties as a uh, husband of a guide dog user is to use my feet as a block to keep the dog from stretching out under the oh, seats in front love of us. To stretch out. And they take up like a spilled glass of water. You don't realize how much you got they until it lays long. down. They get very long. Anyway, so. One is that paperwork you, as a guide dog user, and you're going to be on a plane, you're going to have to fill out more paperwork now than you did three years ago. It doesn't matter whether it's domestic or international, you're going to have to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, a second yeah. guide dog related thing is, um, how do I put it? I, I do not think that generally a guide dog user ought to sit at the bulkhead. And there will be flight attendants who will insist uh -huh. that guide dog users must there, sit there, at there, the bulkhead. There will also be there will also be guide dog users who say that's all they want to. Right, right. Yes, right. absolutely. I will yeah. tell you it's back in ridiculous. the days when it was a soft bulkhead where my dog's backside was in first right. class and I was at the bulkhead. I was fine with that then, but I did not find that to be the case. Uh, exactly. Once those were a hard, yeah. hard wall. Not lately. There's more room nose to wall, but there is not as much room toes to wall. Uh, <laughs> there, there's more room under that seat in front of you than between you and the bulkhead. Uh, anyway, but that's that's one of the other things. Another thing that um, Marianne, I I don't know if um, if Margie 
D is Margie Donovan, but if she is, she has her hand raised. Former president oh, of Guide Dog. Bring her yeah. on. I have. Bring I have. You so, may unmute, Margie. Why don't Why don't we bring her into the? I believe I am unmuted. You there? You are. Dear. There you are. Hey, Margie. Yeah. Hi. You um, are. Hi. 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 Um. Well, I have a I have a guide dog, who is the largest guide dog I've ever had. Hmm. Um. And. I've had seven guide dogs over 42 years, and um, I'm going to talk about some of the advantages, and I'll get to the aircraft. Some of the advantages of having a guide dog is when I get to my home city, or actually wherever I'm going, it, you know, I'll just follow people to baggage. I'll just tell my dog to follow. I'll make sure they're going to baggage, and I'll follow them the baggage. If I know that um, the gate I have to transfer to is on the same concourse, I'll just um, I, I, I will just travel it myself and just ask along the way, or now I can use Ira if the airport has it and if it works. But I feel much more independent traveling with a dog than a cane. I have um, traveled with a dog, with a cane while I've had a dog and left the dog behind due to where I was going. Um, and I'll be doing that in December, going to Disney World. Um, I'm not going to take my dog to Disney World. But um, so that's some of the advantages. And it's, it's easier to um, find the outside once you get to luggage with the dog. Um, so just navigating around the airport and certainly with Ira and a dog, um, I have felt so much more freedom. Now, talking about the aircraft, I want to say something here. There's absolutely no hard and fast rules. Um, it depends on the aircraft. It depends how much garbage. I call it garbage because we're on the air. <laughs> is mounted under the seat in front of you. I have, I, I pretty much only fly Delta. And I have found, unfortunately, the aisle seats often have the most room. And um, yes, that means I have to be cognizant. My foot has to be on the outside of my dog's foot. And I have to make sure his tail sucks. But there is no hard and fast rule. Um, when I flew home with my current dog in August, I had no choice but to sit in bulkhead. He's so big. And um, when I flew at Christmas, they upgraded us to business class, which Brian just described, right behind um, first class. And it was a soft wall. And we, we could have had room for three dogs there. So I don't think there's any hard and fast rules. So window seat, it used to be the hard and fast rule. But um, I, I also find often the middle seat has more room. They put so much equipment. And the longer the flight you're on, the more equipment, because they have the video um, equipment. They have the flotation devices. I mean, some people can't even get their bags under there anymore. There's so much equipment. Now, I do understand, having recently spoke, spoken with someone at DOT regarding um, a, a survey I saw, um, and we need more room on airplanes for guide dogs. That's just the reality. They have taken away, when I got my first dog in 81, um, there, I could sit in any seat I wanted to, and I always chose the window seat. Um, but today, I sometimes have to negotiate once I'm on the airplane, depending, and I'm not very good at remembering the aircraft layouts and stuff. Um, I, I suspect I could take notes and all that, but I'd just rather deal with it on the airplane. And I'll just say, go back to something you were talking about earlier. Um, 
when I'm told if there's an emergency um, to stay in my seat, I always give them a great big smile. And I say, you know what? I'll be helping all you off the plane because you won't be able to see. It'll be dark. (laughs) And I just don't get in any controversy with them. And if they're serious enough, they say, well, we need you to stay there. I say, whatever. That's okay. I I never agree to do it because I'm not going to do it. I guarantee you that. And I'm not going to wait to get off the airplane. I guarantee you that. I deboard with everyone else. Now, I do pre-board and I pre-board so that I could get my dog tucked away. But those are my contributions. So I'm going to throw a couple other. Very good. Miss Margie, thank you so much. Brian. Mm -hmm. Yes, I wanted to ask Margie, have you traveled internationally with your dog? I have not traveled internationally with my dog. I've gone to internationally. Well, other than Mexico, I should say. But when I've gone to Africa and Peru and and Ireland, I chose not to take my dog. One of the things that happened to Kim, she flew just to Toronto. And her guide dog's food was confiscated because it was beef-based. And mad cow disease uh, was on the minds that's very interesting. of folks at that time. Um, so I, again, there are little wrinkles that happen. I remember when we flew to uh, Melbourne, Paul. We were there at the World Blind Union meeting, and the we were flying. I can't remember. Yes. Uh, yep. What is the airline? Uh, Qantas. Qantas. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this guy yeah. comes running down the concourse. They were going to let us take our dog. Um, <laughs> but the dog had to lie on an adult diaper in case the dog had an accident. Oh, Now, the dog instantly shoved that, that diaper into a pillow and had a nice long yeah. sleep. Um, and when we got to the other end, the flight crew were so impressed that they pulled out their, God, back in those days, it probably was a, a VHS recorder. Real camera, and, right. And took, <laughs> took pictures of us getting off the plane because they were so excited about it. So, you know, it, it goes around and around. Uh, when I was in uh, Athens, Greece, um, again, that time I was traveling alone. I had my guide dog, Wesley. And we were the only guide dog in the country at that time. So I had arranged in advance with the uh, department that dealt with transportation in Greece to get a kind of a, uh, a passport for my dog that said that they, anybody who uh, accepts this dog uh, in any kind of transportation know that they would not be penalized for doing so. Not that they had to, but they wouldn't get penalized for doing so. And as I'm leaving, I'm walking down the concourse and this guy steps in front of me and says, no dog, dog in crate. And he said, no, you don't understand. This is a guide dog. And I have no dog in crate. And I said, (laughs) sir, this is a letter from, and another passenger came by and said, you need to know that this gentleman is with security and he has a machine gun. Who? 
So I turned around and went back to uh, the airline and they nice. said, don't worry about it. Come, come, come with me. Give, I always hate it when I'm international and they say, give me your air, give me your passport. I just yeah. don't want to let go of it, but you sometimes you have to. And they took me behind the counter through a back <laughs> door, down a flight of steps and uh. out on to the tarmac and pop me in a minivan with a bunch of Greek only speaking people. I had no idea what the hell was going on. They took that bus over to the plane and had me get on the plane with the crew. Wow. And then the plane came up to the gate to let everybody else on. And I'm sitting in the uh, window seat with my guide dog and person comes in and sits next to me and starts laughing. <laughs> he goes, you should have seen the look on other passengers' faces as they're looking out the window there at the gate and saw a blind man with a seeing eye dog get out of the bus that has the word pilot painted on it. So we have another hand before it gets too late. Yep. We have Christy. It can. Yep. Christy, you may unmute. Miss Crespin. Hello. So, yeah. So, yeah, the bulkheads got to be a pain. And I also have, I gave Caroline, my eighth guide dog, my little Labradoodle, um, to her puppy raiser mommy um, just prior to COVID. So I haven't had a dog and I don't, you know, it's, it's just not conducive. It, at this point in my life but um yeah my dogs fit under the guide under the seats in the airplane and the one thing that I noticed is that not only are the seats different but different sides of the airplane um seem to have more room than the other sides the other side of the airplane for some for some reason yeah so um I just wanted to say that you know for travel I have this ongoing conversation with my friends and I tell them uh, I have one friend who wants to move to a little tiny place called Forest Falls and I tell my friends pick your place where you plan to live as if you are not going to be driving. Mm -hmm. I, I tell them well, and she says, well, I'm yep. only 55. I have several good. I said, you have no idea what kind of time you have left. And so when you're choosing your places to live, figure out what kind of travel you want to do and choose accordingly. Because where I live, it takes a half hour to get two buses, a half hour to get to the closest light rail it takes over and it costs about $60 ubering to the airport and you know i mean i i think we live too too far out or i love my house but um we live too far away from being able to be able to connect in an independent manner without using uber or lyft so that's my tip for travel. So, uh-huh. Right, it's a good one. So let me ask let me ask you a question. 
Um, do you qualify for paratransit services where you are? Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. I I, I haven't used it hardly ever ah. since, since I, uh, we have a program where we have um, discounted rides for Uber. Um, and so that's mainly what I do. I just, mm-hmm. I, I bought some tickets after I retired in May of 2021. I think I still have some left. It's, I just don't. It's just such a hassle. There you go. Yeah. Yep. And and and. Yep. You can't depend. Marianne, on, I I. Yep. Go ahead, Christy. You can't depend. Yep. On, well, that was. You're okay, perhaps still. Perhaps what I thought was going to come out. I'm keeping. I'm watching. Yep. You. So yeah. So Marianne, um, do you think uh, that that paratransit is a good option as you're starting travel? Oh, it is for, for me in our in our city, in our county, it's door to door. So my paratransit, if I'm going to the um, Fort Myers airport, I, I travel out of one of two airports. One is Punta Gorda and I have to get either a friend or I will not use Uber. I will use a cab because a cab driver is much more likely to get out of the car and help you find an airport staff person. But um, going to um, Fort Myers, I use paratransit. The driver gets out of the bus with me. He walks me inside and he helps me to find the first point of contact. Yeah. So California me, has works perfectly. California has curb to curb. And, um, and also, you know, our hours are very limited. But I, go ahead, I rarely use paratransit. I always use Uber because you. Yep. Yeah. Well, we have so many Uber drivers, you have no um, English, and I just will not take that chance. Uh, I will not start my trip off not being able to communicate (laughs) with the Uber driver. So I either take paratransit or I get, um, I pay somebody. You know, what I would do is I would write a note to the driver and say, I need you to speak English. Yeah, I am they, blind. They don't sometimes. I need I you to speak English. I won't go through that. So like, I just <laughs> arrange it so that it's comfortable yeah. for me, which is what I, is mm-hmm. the same reason I get the yeah. window seat with the dog, just because I don't want to watch my foot mm-hmm. the whole, right. the whole trip. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can share so, a transit to get to the airport, with- but not from. We're yeah. at 57, Paul. Yeah. Right. So um, I just, I, I wanted to say. I to, would not, I would not. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Brian. Okay. I, I think we, we have, there's another uh, aspect of being a guide left, dog so. user, and that is small planes. There's oh, no they're, a guide they're dog fun. Can fit I've been under on them. A small no. plane seat. Absolutely. So nothing short of having nope. the accommodation of a second seat is going to work. Absolutely. I was once on one of these puddle hopper type planes and they sat me on the center seat back row yeah it's pretty scary and my dog was just sitting on the floor in front of me in the aisle (laughs) yeah what was in front of me that sounds like uh, albert rizzi you know you're on a a small plane when the pilot gets on there and says now in case there's a fire there's an air there's a fire extinguisher under the blind guy in the back row Or yep. they say, don't when when you when you're when you're on the plane, be careful. Don't list to the side because you'll uh, will be imbalanced. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, now you're at fifty. Yeah, or or, right. or will the fat guy in the first row please move <laughs> to the back? <laughs> um, ladies and counting. gentlemen, 
<laughs> I think this is um, this has been an exciting program on travel. I think um, all of us have been able to share some really cool opinions. I'd like to thank those who participated by Zoom, as well as our, our regulars, who, as usual, did a superb job. Next week on Tuesday Topics, we are going to discuss all things convention with Janet Dickelman, who will be telling us all the cool things we can expect in Schaumburg, Illinois, who will give us lots of previews, and who will also uh, be opening to be open to answering questions that, that I think many of us have as we evolve with hybrid conventions. So I'm looking forward to seeing everyone next week, and we'll probably also talk a little bit about travel. In the meantime, thanks for being with us, and good night.